0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Aaron Rodgers looking for Devante Adams. who has got it! DJ
0: Moore has a pass to...
2: Hello everyone, welcome back to of Overtime and of Radio brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and as always I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the show, also co-host of Stealing Bananas. And Sean, we are here, we are past the Super Bowl, we are into, I guess you could call it the Great Abyss, there is no football now for <laughs> quite some time, no meaningful football I guess for uh, the best part of seven or so months. So uh, it's going to be a you know, I say the abyss. It's also probably one of the most fun times of the year, where we get straight into the NFL draft, then we get into our dynasty stuff, then we get into our draft stuff again, and right before you know it, like there is a lot of time there. But I find sometimes, particularly for dynasty players or baseball players, the off season can actually be the most fun element of it. But Sean, Super Bowl is in the books. The LA Rams have have taken home the Vince Lombardi Trophy, a 23 to 20 finish, and that one came down to the very end um where cooper cup got that second touchdown to uh, end up winning both the game and the mvp and then obviously the the bengals turned it over on fourth down to uh to uh, end things there so we were on the bengals train it looked like it was uh going pretty well and then it, it fell off the tracks unfortunately in the fourth quarter and uh, just there right at the end how did you enjoy the super bowl um, i mentioned it you before the show i uh, met up with uh, four of my friends from my home league who i haven't seen since prior to covid so two years ago probably at this point so that was a lot of fun uh, to catch up with them we were all a little bit bummed out by the the end result but uh, i'm sure the la rams fans out there don't really care about that and they had a a good time but we will talk about cooper cup in a moment for i guess all-time season rankings from what he was able to do picking up the mvp in this one but super bowl 56 we're going with sean here today we're going to call it rather than super bowl 2022 but how how did you find this one
3: well sometimes you know you you get a sense of how you really felt about a previous game by what your emotions are sort of down the road and i found myself really not looking forward to the game itself very much and and obviously some of that is just the hangover from the chiefs loss that's a little bit harder to watch a championship game when your team was so close and then if you're a Bengals fan the second half was very similar to you know the second half of the afc championship game for chiefs fans where i mean you feel like you have it and you feel like you know the game should be kind of in control and the better team is winning and all of those kinds of things and then things completely go off the rails and so you know there, there was a lot of discussion about jalen ramsey and how Uh, T Higgins and Jamar Chase were torching him there in the first half, but the Rams defense was the real star of this game. Aaron Donald, I mean, it's just really cool to see him make that play. This game to me, especially the second half was a disappointment. It was a boring game. The offenses did not play well. The coaching from an offensive perspective, I thought was disappointing. Now on the Rams side, they had lost Odell Beckham, who was having a fantastic game just a a complete career renaissance, a resurgence here and to not have him in the second half. I think put a damper on this game. It certainly decreased the Rams chances of winning, but then they do pull through in the end. You have the big game from Cooper cup. You have the big performance there from Aaron Donald. You have the two stars coming through. That's what it should be in the super bowl. But the Bengals performance in the second half was very disappointing. Now their defense still played fairly well. And, For a team that had those massive explosions in week 16 and 17 of the regular season, it really was their defense that had carried them to this point in the playoffs and got them, you know, within moments, really possessions at the very least of being the Super Bowl champions. And so their defense came through again, maybe until those big moments. And, And Colin, we're going to talk about this now, but Cooper Cup, everybody knows that he is the entire Rams offense. Matthew Stafford, again, played really pretty poorly in this one through a bad interception the running game was bad cam Akers, uh an amazing comeback from injury but he's either not 100 which is the most likely thing or he's i mean both of the backs in this game joe Mixon, and cam Akers. you know we'll talk about their dynasty values looking forward but these are very solid nfl starters they're not impact running backs and so we were looking for the receivers to make plays jamar chase t higgins and then on the Rams' side cooper cup and at the most important time of the season he could not be stopped you know he gets the fourth down carry he leads them all the way down the field and then on the final drive essentially scores two touchdowns because the first one you know wiped away on a mildly questionable holding call i mean it's probably holding but i don't know i would question a call that makes no difference there at that point. And again, I'm rooting for the Bengals. So the fact that I think that that holding call probably shouldn't have happened, you know, my bias is in the other direction. I, I just like to see the the plays decided not on offensive holding penalties that don't determine what happened in the game. Now, the defensive linemen are like, we're getting the hell all the time. the very least, you could call it when it's right there, you know, in front of God and the world and the official. And so they did call it. But, I mean, you, you can't stop it. And this is the greatest wide receiver season in NFL history. And I guess, and and you and I are kind of on opposite sides of this and we debated it before on the show, but I guess that's one of the reasons why I have a little bit of an issue with the MVP being sort of a regular season award and a regular season title, because it just feels weird in the aftermath of some of these seasons when the best player in the NFL also has the best playoffs in the NFL and they don't win the MVP. It just, you know, and again, all words don't really matter. Cooper cup, as you mentioned, the super bowl MVP, he's going to go down as having the greatest wide receiver season of all time. People know what he did, but when people are looking back 20 years from now, and one of the things I was doing here was looking back to see, You know what were some other similar wide receiver seasons where the receiver had this type of regular season and then went on to absolutely dominate the playoffs and so you know not surprisingly going back and and trying to find out which ones of jerry rice's seasons which you know you've got a decade's worth of you know mvp caliber types of performances from him which ones of those matched up with something extraordinary in the postseason and you know trying to make all of that stuff fit and remember well You know, people who are three or four years old now, or people who, you know, are born in 2025 and in 2040 are huge fantasy fans, people who are fantasy writers in 2045, you know, they're gonna look back at the season and you know see Aaron Rodgers as the MVP. And it's just gonna be very weird, right? It's gonna give you a complete on this season than what actually happened. And so that part of it still really bothers me, even though, you know, I didn't have a single share of Cooper Cup this season. Thankfully, the year went very well despite that. But, you know, I wasn't necessarily Rodgers. I wasn't necessarily ready for Cooper Cup. You know, I would have been, you know, more on board with Holmes or Josh Allen being the guys there winning the MVP or at least being in the mix for that. If it's like the most valuable quarterback, you know, that that part is weird. If we're going to be the most valuable quarterback, Why? Labeled as most valuable player. But so that part of it still bothers me. But the main thing here is just Cooper Cup. It's not in any way a unique take, but I just, it, it's really hard to fathom what he did when you consider that, again, the defenses they faced were good. Everybody knew what was coming, and he still led them to victory at the most important times.
2: Yeah, and throughout the season, that happened time and time again we mentioned it even against the you know the Buccaneers the 49ers throughout the entire NFL season it wasn't just a case of in the Super Bowl but you think of that final drive to get the touchdown there is the fourth down rushing attempt there is the the touchdown obviously there's a couple of big plays in that drive and that's pretty much all they had and he finishes with eight for 92 and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl which kind of felt like you know a natural conclusion and him winning the MVP I know there was a lot of talk over should it have been Aaron Donald? And even when we were watching the Super Bowl, me and my buddies, uh, they were kind of pushing that it should have been Donald. But did feel right that kind of because of how the season played out and Rogers getting the MVP, that you know was fitting that that went the way of Cooper Cup. But I, I do agree with you on the merits of the MVP award. I think though the way the MVP award plays out each and every season it's basically a quarterback award the offensive player of the year usually then is tailored to the the second best kind of player the the best non-quarterback i guess we'll say so um but an amazing season by cooper cup sean you have tailored in a couple of players here that you know that it's it's high praise you you may may be thinking that this is the all-time wide receiver season but I think we definitely have to lock it up in a, a top five all-time season. I know there's people say there's the extra game, but the consistency that he showed throughout the whole season and that extra game is just through the roof. So you've some uh, players in here, including Jerry Rice, Steve Smith, Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, Antonio Bryan, and one of my favorite players to watch all time, and that is Calvin Johnson. Give us some insights here as to as to where we should be putting this uh, season all-time.
3: Yeah. I, I still think that the Calvin Johnson 2012 season where he goes for 1,964 receiving yards is the best regular season for a wide receiver history only scored five touchdowns as coming off of a previous season where he had 16. You, know, you Sometimes you look at uh, these seasons kind of put in the context of other things that they were doing, what they meant to the team during that stretch. Uh, the, Thing about this, and perhaps when you see all those receiving yards, in some ways, it's not a surprise. The Lions did not make the playoffs; they weren't a good team that year. They had plenty of—I wouldn't say exactly garbage time—since when you have Calvin Johnson, you're going to attack with him right from the opening whistle. But you know, <laughs> there are going to be plenty of end-of-game scenarios where they're still pushing to get points and and still passing, and Calvin Johnson, you know, gets those yards. It can't go down as the best overall season, I don't think, because you know there wasn't that playoff component. So I was kind of going back and looking through, and there were a handful of seasons where some players maybe got close and/or would have been there if not for some weird things that happened. And I mentioned it before, the obvious person here in terms of the greatest wide receiver ever—you know—you go back through, and everybody considers Jerry Rice to be the goat. You go back and look at what he did, especially within the context of that time frame, you know, where we were with the rules and the passing environment and all of that. And it's really pretty extraordinary some of these seasons. In 1988, he's coming off of a 1987 season in which he finished second in the MVP voting. So we kind of look back to that. Then he has six postseason touchdowns and 200 plus yards in the Super Bowl right? So that one would be in the mix. 1989, he finishes second in the Offensive Player of the Year balloting that you mentioned. And he has five postseason touchdowns, including three in the Super Bowl. And then in 1994, he finishes third in the MVP voting and then has three touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So those seasons, I think, would be the ones that are the most comparable, especially 1989-1994 to what cooper cup has done here now one of the things is that those 49ers wins in 1989 1994 blowout victories they didn't necessarily need him it was more you know they're piling on there in the super bowl so then we look at some guys who are maybe slightly more contemporary players who did it since the clock turned to the 2000s and we see this amazing season from steve smith where he had almost 1600 yards 13 touchdowns in the regular season then he has a 200 yard two touchdown game in the playoffs but he is shut down in an nfc championship game loss to seattle a couple years later you have that 2007 season the 18 and 1 finish for the patriots and randy moss was on the brink of doing what cooper cup did right he has the 23 regular season touchdowns But he only has 94 yards total in the postseason. Now, he does go 5-62-1 in the Super Bowl, but didn't make the necessary plays to get the Patriots to their perfect season. And so I think that one is going to finish just a little bit short. Then you have Larry Fitzgerald, right? In 2008, you don't necessarily think of him as being quite at the Jerry Rice level because he wasn't. But he did have some seasons in there that were very impressive. And he did put one together with also this amazing postseason run. He had... 1,431 yards during the regular season, 12 touchdowns, and then he comes out with four consecutive 100-yard games and seven touchdowns in the postseason. Unfortunately, there Cardinals are beaten at the end and do not get that victory with the Ben Roethlisberger touchdown pass to Santonio Holmes in the corner of the end zone. That one, a heartbreaker for us arizona fans not quite the same level of overall season and not the win in the super bowl the cooper cup gets there and then the most recent one that would have been in the mix you have antonio brown in 2015 an 1862 yard regular season and we have peak antonio brown 10 touchdowns he has a 100 yard game in the first round of the playoffs against the cincinnati Bengals. But, and one of the things that's great about the Cincinnati team is they have left these days behind. He suffers the cheap shot in that game that knocks him out for the next week. And when you consider the brutality of that hit and some of the things that have transpired more recently, Antonio Brown's career, the sad things that have happened, and sort of what we know with the research on head injuries, you wonder if that was a hit that not only changed kind of his trajectory but changed his life. And so, you know, when we think about the hit later from Juju Smith Schuster, obviously also inappropriate, but just, you know, how angry I think the Steelers fans, Antonio Brown, all of them have to be at Vontez Perfect. And just the dirty plays that thankfully the NFL is addressing. I know that we, you know, you still have fans out there that are frustrated that the game isn't as physical, isn't as violent. But that a play that that changed NFL history and changed it in a bad way. And, you know, was sort of the epitome of dirty play. It's great that we have moved on from that time period, but Antonio Brown back before the unfortunate things that have transpired over the last two or three seasons, you know, really up there with Jerry Rice and Cooper cup and Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson, as you know, that group of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history and even with what's happened more recently I mean he'll always have that 1800 yard season he'll always be one of the greatest players of all time
2: yeah I agree and I think sometimes especially um with how we react to things with social media and kind of the 24-hour news cycle now sometimes those things can be forgot about very, very quick. But I think in the long term, people will still look back at Antonio Brown's run over that kind of four or five-year stretch with the Pittsburgh Steelers and how good it was going through those, Sean. It's a nice trip down memory lane. I think, you know, being biased, I mentioned Calvin Johnson being one of my favorite players to watch. I think the regular season in 2012 was absolutely incredible. But going through Jerry Rice's numbers in 88 and 89 and back-to-back seasons, I know we're talking about one season, but, that was an incredible run from him. But what we've seen from Cup this year and how consistent it's been and then like you were touching on to how he's done that in spots where they absolutely needed it to happen, like the Super Bowl here, like the playoff run and, and obviously of course through the regular season um is absolutely incredible for for him to come up big like that. And um I think missing out on the MVP might hurt that, but then add in the Super Bowl MVP I think is going to bolster that argument. So I think laying out those, thats uh, I think they are the, the top seasons uh, that we can come up with in, in recent memory. Maybe you have a, a different one that you think of. Let us know. Um, send us a tweet. Tell us that uh, – well, send me a tweet. Sean <laughs> Sean probably won't see that. But send it, and I can feed it back to Sean. But see who the best wide receiver season in NFL history belongs to. Is it one of those guys? Is it somebody we missed? Let us know. We'll be happy maybe to to add to our discussion in
1: some upcoming shows. Hey, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Flagship Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the podcast you are listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I can speak from personal experience and tell you that if you or someone you love is struggling with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, talking to somebody about it can make a huge difference. And that's what BetterHelp does. Within 48 hours of signing on with BetterHelp, they'll match you with a professional, therapist. These therapists have a broad range of expertise that might not be available where you live. This is a worldwide service that's easy to use, allows you to get matched with a therapist that you can communicate with. You can send messages, get thoughtful responses. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can talk through anything that you need, and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating therapeutic matches that can give you all of the benefits of traditional offline therapy. They want you to start living a happier life today. And I believe that talk therapy is one of the ways that you can do that. Visit their website, www.betterhelp.com forward slash reviews to hear and read some of their testimonials. Again, you're going to want to visit BetterHelp, better H-E-L-P and join the over two million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And we have a special offer for Rotoviz listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Rotoviz. Can't recommend how important and how helpful talk therapy can be. So please check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes
0: to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: So, Sean, some players whose value may have been affected, and actually I think it's quite clear to say definitely will have been affected by the Super Bowl, And um, we're going to talk about those now. We do have T Higgins being one of them who had a, a massive game. We had Odell Beckham who was off to a, a very, very good game, then picked up his knee injury. Then we're going to talk about Cam Akers as well to see how value is affected. Uh, so it's interesting. We'll start off with Higgins. I think Akers is probably going to be the most interesting to talk about. But when we look at T Higgins and you know, what he's done, over the course of his first season and second season in the NFL. And then we get to the playoff stretch that he has had. You know, there's been times where it's been quiet in year two. Year one was a a, a huge success, but I think we have to say year two has been a a huge success as well. We look at the Super Bowl, four for 102 touchdowns. I know people are questioning the second touchdown, the 75-yard one, whether that was, you know, face mask probably was, but it was... Was pretty quick when it happened, so I can see why it didn't happen or wasn't given. But a massive game from from T Higgins and um, his season again. I think if we didn't have Jamar Chase in this team, people would be ranting and raving about T Higgins. I know Sam Wallace uh, is one of the biggest T Higgins supporters uh, out there on on the social media side of things. But um, what are you looking at as Higgins? I know me and you were very high on him uh, last year, and then coming into this season. If anything, after this season, I think we still have to be at an equal point or or potentially higher on on what he has achieved this year. And then obviously, Burrow being 100% healthy back from his injury, we should see them probably strengthen that offensive line in the Super Bowl or in the draft, sorry, and, and true free agency. And then all of a sudden, you've got these two superstars on the outside who defense can't cover both of them. And then if you add in motion to get them away from some of the better cornerbacks, we're into. A situation where it's, it's big games happening on a regular basis so i think Borough can support two wide receivers and i think these are two of the best young wide receivers in the game so we we've talked a lot about chase He he's one of the real top dogs but t higgins can't be too far below that where are we looking at him in, in dynasty as we head into this offseason
3: yeah t higgins somebody that we absolutely love jj was on the show last week he did a fantastic job as you would expect uh, for anybody who was interested, make sure you check that out and check out his new site, the But he talked a lot about his year two model. And that's something that we've put a lot of emphasis on here at Rotoviz through the years. Right. And so it's not just looking at the rookie season. It's not just looking at the prospect profile, but you look at these two things within the context of each other and you have receivers who are going to beat their ADP, receivers who are perfectly positioned to make this big jump. And with that being the case, Higgins was the perfect person to be to buy, buy, buy. And then he had some peaks and valleys during the regular season. And during the valleys, you had these amazing chances to buy did a great job with the buy low report this season Bjorn did a great job with the advanced wide receiver numbers both of them just begging you to if you had any opportunity in your particular league to make that Higgins pickup that you would do that and so I think that this Super Bowl now is going to put us in a situation where you're not going to get a lot of great deals on Higgins this offseason but there might be some chances where people think okay well now he's you know not exactly jump the shark shark obviously but he is up there in a range where it's going to be hard to sustain the big plays on a weekly basis that he would need if he's not going to get a little bit more overall volume now one of the things that happened here too was when he was close on a third touchdown that there was a very nice defensive play on but you mentioned know where this offense is going to go and there was value for higgins and for chase within the context of an offense that still wasn't that explosive it's not anywhere near what it's going to be like right i mean this wasn't the greatest show on turf this wasn't the 2000 you know this wasn't the chiefs of the last several years it wasn't even the you know 43 40 whatever year old tom brady in his final season throwing for five thousand plus yards i mean this was a pedestrian Bengals offense for a big chunk of the season and frankly it was a pedestrian Bengals offense in the playoffs and that's not what it's going to be going forward right i mean joe burrow made some unfortunate plays in the super bowl didn't have the accuracy needed on a couple of big passes he's going to continue to get better We know that he has good accuracy at all levels. He's able to take the deep throw once they're able to protect him. And frankly, I think that the offensive scheme is going to get better too. There were some things from a coaching perspective that this Bengals team didn't do quite well enough, but they just have way too much talent for this not to be one of those teams that is a real juggernaut in the future. You know, we're not going to see a ton of Joe Mixon, you know, running into the line and falling down in the future like we were treated to in 2021 right i mean this is going to be one of the all-time great offenses and there's going to be plenty of value there for guys so i've had hick in the first round or one to turn in super flex not 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 in regular formats but in super flex now for a while again you mentioned how we're still above the market on him and i think that we are and i think justifiably so right he's too young too big and in too good of a situation there as not really the code number ones. I mean, that's how Mar Chase is. I mean, he's the very clear, not just B, but the number two, right? And yet the amount of fantasy points that he has in his future is very exciting.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, I did see I mentioned Sam. I'm to go Sam Wallace. If you're not following him on Twitter, make sure you are. But uh, he, he likes to tweet out from time to time. If you're, you know, there's no way you can pretty much be too high on T Higgins. You're still too low on him. So <laughs> I think uh, he fits in with that category. I would definitely be, I'm going to say I'd be trying to acquire him. It's going to be very, very hard. I think that window, I think a a little bit of a tax to try and get him. But that also, of course, we're talking about dynasty. But when we get to redraft and and best ball, certainly somebody I think we can look to target. I think it's a situation where this season is just going to get better. There was a lot of questionable decisions at times during the season from a play-calling perspective not aggressive enough in a number of situations i felt but we'll see what happens over the course of the offseason and if they can correct some of those and i just think this team's going to continue to get better Uh, sean odell beckham unfortunately he's a player who's you know going to have a a long road here of recovery um and i think that he was having a really solid super bowl and this one had the touchdown looked very good it has been a a good uh, definitely there's no doubt about it was a good addition to the rams offense was heading into free agency you know, he did want to go to L.A. at the time that he left the Browns, so there was a chance that he would have tried to sign back there maybe take a little bit less. It'll be interesting to see if that's what happens even after the injury. But heading into free, injury or free agency, picks up the injury. Where are we looking at, at a player? I, th- I think he did rehab his value quite well over the last you know three to four months since he moved on from the Browns, but I think this is going to um, lower that value quite substantially. But does that maybe open a buy window to... acquire him to try and have him on some rosters as a, a lower end wide receiver for when the season does come back around
3: now this is an injury that the nfl players have rehabbed very successfully over the last three four years the surgeries are getting better the rehab is getting better all of those types of things i think are very promising we do have receivers coming back from injuries quite quickly and yet you know now he's in the same situation that we unfortunately had with the Alabama wide receiver for the national championship game where both of those guys will be in a race to be ready. And, you know, with Williams, it's more a situation where you have his, the whole rest of his career to benefit from that recovery with Beckham. It's less the case. And there's still these issues of, you know, how is he going to fit into a locker room? Is he going to run the routes that he is supposed to run and how well will that work with a quarterback? And, it's not guaranteed to work with everybody the same way that it works with Matthew Stafford a gunslinger who's you know willing to throw those uh 50-yard interceptions when other people aren't open you know there are going to be some situations that are better fits than others the Kansas City Chiefs have been a team that he's been connected to you look what he did during the playoffs and it's exciting to think of him in Kansas City and yet you know that element now is is tricky it's very unfortunate for him i was looking at and just had an article focusing on rounds five through nine, these important sort of late or mid single digit rounds in best ball came out on the site yesterday and looking at the key players in those ranges. And one of them, Odell Beckham drafted in the eighth round. So that's drafted, you know, last week. And the people in that range, Christian Kirk, Kadarius, Tony Rashad, Bateman, uh, later in the round after Allen robinson had gone off the board i don't think there's any question that his value would have been higher than robinson's value you look at the guys in round seven marquise brown with the struggles in the second half of the season brandon cooks with all the quarterback issues adam thielen as the clear number two and with a lot of shake up there and with him you know sort of falling off robert woods coming off of the injury there and not looking that great for the rams before the injury i mean odell beckham with a big super bowl which he was well on his way to easily elevates above those guys and then unfortunately because of the injury i think we're now looking at him in the double digit rounds
2: yeah it feels that way and there's a lot of things that come into play as well you know we talk about you know age cliffs and players getting older but you know recovering from these injuries although modern science and you know physio and, and different activities like that there has really ramped up the success of these recoveries obviously the older you get the more tricky it is. And I always go back to the situation where it isn't like playing Madden. You know, there is times where there's complications. We've seen Cam Akers, who we're going to talk about now, come back in record time from his injury. But we also see a player like David Bakhtiari for the Packers who injured himself before the playoffs. To like the season before last and then still didn't really get back to playing and missed out on the playoff loss to the 49ers this year with a, a similar injury to it seems like Odell has so there is times where the recovery can be complicated and I do believe this is the second time he's tore that ligament in the same knee Um, you mentioned players coming back over the last three or four years he is actually one of those players who did come back successfully so hopefully it'll be a full recovery and this is where being a parent comes into things. Uh, there was talk, obviously, before the game about Odell and his partner uh, that could have went into labor during the Super Bowl. But, like, when he got injured, that was the first thing I was thinking about. Is like, you know, he's probably so excited to play in the Super Bowl and to have a, a child, and then all of a sudden he's probably preparing for uh, knee surgery, you know, come a couple of days after. So weird situations that can hit you in life. But first time I ever thought about that with a, a footballer's injury, which I thought was a, a strange, strange thing to do.
3: Well, you mentioned some of these injuries and and Tarek Cohen, another player who, you know, we had sort of anticipated to have him back. And one of the things is that until you get more information, it's hard to know exactly what the timeline is going to be. And anytime that you're injured in the second half of the NFL season, that timeline is very important, right? Because it's going to be compressed as you get close to training camp, the first month of the season, all of those things, how many games you miss and what level you come back at. You know, if you come back at 90%, one of the things that we talk about a lot, and especially the case with older players, because they're not going to be given the same sort of opportunities and, and leniency when it comes to more reps, is that, you know, 90% often doesn't get it done, right? Because these NFL players are so good that the, the margins between them in terms of the athletic levels and then obviously your actual skill set factors into that as well. It's not just athleticism. It's, it's all the skills that you bring to the table. But when the margins are so low, you don't have to be that far down from your 100% to not be an effective player, and so a lot of uncertainty there. And like you mentioned, an unfortunate situation. We never want anybody to get hurt, and in some ways, with that being juxtaposed within this context of the Super Bowl, it's even harder to get hurt at that point. I think the silver lining or that the happy element of the story is the Rams did win, you know, and so he's the Super Bowl champion, and that is a very different I think scenario for him in terms of how he feels about the whole thing you know versus if they had lost that game
2: yeah and of course we've heard about like Aaron Donald Sean McVay possibilities of stepping away from the team you know Odell might think I've got a ring now do I want to go through that rehab so we'll see what happens but yeah hopefully we see him back in the NFL and um, the other player Sean is Cam Akers who I did not think we would be seeing at all and and I thought we'd see him in 2022 but I thought it would be in September (laughs) and October of 2022 rather than at this point. His recovery has been sensational from his injury. Somebody who you know as he recovered from that injury his value would continue to increase. Then you mentioned earlier in the show the the Super Bowl performance wasn't uh, anything spectacular if we're being nice about it and um, potentially could have hurt his value you know moving forward. Not a huge amount but a little bit particularly in redraft leagues maybe a round or so but what are your thoughts here? Recovered from the injury, maybe not 100%. I think it's probably more likely that that's the case, but are we concerned about that as we move forward? Maybe it is a case that there is a little bit of, you know, explosion missing, but again, we're pretty much saying, like I said there, if he was still ruled out at this point, and we were thinking we would get him back in August for training camp, we probably would be pretty, you know, positive about that come August time. So we have him back already. He's going to have time now to continue as Uh, recovery and get back to 100 percent so sometimes these get looked at that he played in the super bowl didn't play great and that's going to hurt his value but i think him being back should still be a positive on his his overall value here
3: it should it takes a little bit of that uncertainty away if he can get back at all and if he's going to be anywhere close to the same level Uh, dr budoff has written some excellent injury related articles for the site over the last several years and one of the ones that i paid quite a bit of attention to was the Achilles injury article looking at Marlon Mack. And one of his points there is that even after these guys get back to, you know, what we tend to consider 100% in terms of being able to go out there and play and maybe being, you know, pain-free or if not pain-free, you know, having the mobility, having a lot of the athleticism back. But there's still like another six-month time period before they're actually their true selves from an athletic standpoint and an explosion standpoint and that you're not going to get the same production in that window between when they're back and when they're actually 100% healthy and, and what they were previously and so you know the fact that Acres was able to be back on the field so swiftly is good news and then you have this time period now where he can get that explosion back and so you have to feel very positive about what The 2022 season potentially offers the flip side of that is just that you know Henderson was back in the Super Bowl you know looked like the better player his long reception one of the key plays in the game and from a fantasy perspective we are reminded that the Rams have one of the NFL's elite backups now one of the things that they have demonstrated is that During time periods where they actually have someone healthy that they really like, they're willing to really ride that player. But we didn't see that in the playoffs because they didn't have that. And if you have any questions about what the health of some of these guys is going to be, and if you look at Akers, you look at Henderson, and there is at least the potential here, I think, and and probably the strong potential, that both of these guys are going to benefit from not having 100% of the touches. And so from a fantasy perspective, that's both good and bad. I mean, if you're going to get some value for the backup, that's obviously good for him. But for the starter, you're thinking, okay, well, he's going to be more explosive if he's not as worn down. He's going to have a little bit of less injury risk if, number one, he's not having as many total carries and, number two, not having as many touches when he's extremely tired. You know, That could be a positive. But when we're looking at both floor and ceiling, the touches do matter, right? I mean, from a especially from a redraft perspective, from a one-season perspective, when you select a running back early – you're basically in the situation where you're hoping for this sort of unlikely dream scenario where the back actually is kind of ridden into the ground, but makes it through that year successfully. So you're not looking to the future. You're not, you're not saying, okay, well, you know, how how can this guy have three, four, five good seasons? You're saying, how can we get the expected point numbers into the twenties? How could we get a double digit EP or say a, 12 rushing EP, eight receiving EP, and then outperform that by two or three, and then you're at a 22, 23, 24 per game pace for from a scoring perspective, and that justifies the picks. If you don't have that, then basically what you've done is select a good player at a price that doesn't really work for fantasy. And so, you know, I'm looking at some of these early drafts and looking again the draft that Blair and I did. He comes off at the 203 which is just following a three-pick stretch that Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Joe Mixon went off the board. And, you know, you could look at those guys and, and think, okay, well, that's a decent value because Cook and Kamara both face both on the field and potentially off the field concerns that could hurt their value. Mixon is basically a guy that you're hoping that his offense carries him to a workload that has enough value there. I mean, Mixon is sort of your prototypical high floor kind of back if he stays healthy but if you look at the guys drafted immediately after him deandre swift you know probably healthier more explosive more talented going to catch more passes so maybe there would be more upside there javante williams somebody who is going to rise into the first round then you look at the the late second round you have nick chubb saquon barkley antonio gibson probably all of those guys are in better circumstances than acres or at least Chubb and Gibson are. And then Barkley more of a wild card where he has a much lower floor simply because the giants have been so bad. And because his injury situation is still really up in the air because we don't even know really if he's successfully come back from the pre ankle injury stuff because the ankle injury then kind of covers up all of the rest of the situation. And so, barkley high stealing, high floor but very interesting as a potential league winner some of these other guys i think you have a similar amount or more talent when you look at nick chubb and probably fewer question marks and so you know i think that his value is going to be tricky and it's especially going to be tricky after we've seen what's happened in the playoffs even if the playoffs to an extent are going to be
2: misleading i agree i think it's going to be it's going to be quite quite interesting to see it play out the Super Bowl definitely was disappointing shown by Akers but you mentioned some of the other running backs that are going in that landscape and I think there's going to be a lot of question marks to go around over the next couple of months with some of those guys as well so going to be fun to dissect that over the the coming weeks and months and we'll be having a lot of conversations here on over Overtime to bring you that um lots of exciting things we planned behind the scenes myself and Sean are discussing guests to have on our plan is to try and have uh, a weekly guest on each of the thursday shows we'll see how that plays out over the the coming months i was inspired by curtis patrick's list that he had posted on twitter of some of the upcoming guests on the flagship show so excited to uh, get some great guests with jj on last week it was a huge amount of fun to have him on if you haven't checked that show out head back and listen to it A lot of fun on today's show with Sean, talking through some of those values of uh, kind of players affected by the Super Bowl. And, of course, looking at some of the best seasons of all time at wide receiver versus Cooper Cup. As always, as we get ready to wrap up the show, I want to let you know about a listeners only discount that you can get on rotavis.com. You can save yourself 10% off a subscription by adding the code rbradio Twenty Twenty Two at checkout you can go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information that gets you access to all of the content and tools on the site sets you up for success in the 2022 season takes you all the way through the nfl draft and all the way through to this time next year so you'll be getting all the best stuff that you can all the articles all the tools and everything that is included if you haven't already head on over and subscribe to the Rotoviz youtube channel you'll be able to get some clips of upcoming shows over there and some of the the video stuff from dave Cabe and curtis patrick and and much more we'll be posting over there as well so continue to grow that audience jump on across click that subscribe button we really would appreciate it and of course as we get ready to wrap up we will be back on a thursday with another show we will also have a saturday podcast so make sure you subscribe to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get all those once they come out My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotaways.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one.